my name is Obadiah Greenberg, OB for short, at YouTube, where I work with uh, strategic partnerships, primarily uh, higher education and cultural archives. Um, so I was trying to come up with a title for this presentation. I thought YouTube and education pretty much says it all. I think uh, it, uh, the, the mind uh, races at the, at the potential here. And you know, thinking about it, I, what is YouTube doing with education? Well, I think it's already used heavily for education. Um, I think that many students are already using it as a primary resource to find video for their work, um, faculty, everyone is. It, it's basically reached a critical mass now where there is, I don't want to say infinite choice, but a heck of a lot to find what you're looking for. Um, I think that it's truly evolved uh, beyond a pure entertainment platform and also a place uh, people come to be informed and be inspired. So um, just going to give a little bit of background. So this quote is uh, from a viewer comment on uh, UC Berkeley's um, site on Google Video. Uh, education is moving in a, new, in a new direction. It's no longer simply for those who can attend university. It's open for anyone who has the initiative to seize it. So uh, I should say, as, as full disclosure, I joined uh, Google and YouTube in December. Uh, previous to that, I worked at UC Berkeley for six years. So was paying close attention to, uh, to this kind of commentary. Um, this is just a, a snapshot of UC Berkeley's site. It's video.google.com slash UC Berkeley. And it launched in uh, late September. And um, I think it launched with about 250 videos. It's up to about 350 now, including six full courses, special events, and two sports. I should add that I think the, the um, most highly trafficked are the, the course material. Um, I think it has a little over one and a quarter million views to date. A view is uh, basically you go to the page and it automatically plays back. And it got great press. It was on the front page of the San Jose Mercury News, which is a local paper in Silicon Valley, uh, SFGate, and numerous blogs. So um, where Google Video is today vis-a-vis -vis YouTube. So Google Video is really evolving to be more of a search platform for video, irrespective of where it's hosted on the web where YouTube is really that primary site for hosting, delivery, uh, and, um, and of course, community interaction. Okay, so YouTube, uh, the YouTube audience is tremendous. Um, just a show of hands, how many people here have watched a video on YouTube? Okay, the only, the only guy who did it is because his hands in his pocket, he should have said, you know, I bought a video. How many folks here have uploaded a video to It's an interesting ratio. Um, viewership is in the hundreds of millions per day, and um, upload is in the hundreds of thousands. So I think that uh, that's a pretty good split, uh, what you're seeing here in the audience. Um, one thing about this, this uh, massive amount of viewership is that a lot of it is also international, of course. And um, YouTube is really becoming a window to the world. And um, I think that. As it evolves, we, we, it's a really a fertile ground to put um, some very great material to uh, educate, obviously. And uh, so I'll get to that in a bit about how we could potentially work together to make that happen. Um, uh, okay, so this is, uh, this is what's known as a, a branded channel, uh, using BBC uh, as an example. And I'll, I'll show a few other examples. And just a, a quick breakdown of what this is. So, for our strategic partners, uh, it's 
your regular YouTube account, but uh, with additional branding opportunities. There's the leaderboard at the top where you see BBC World News. It actually uh, is a, can be a link that links back to your um, website or to uh, sub-channels within YouTube. It also can be an image map. Um, as well, let me just uh, use another one here. This is a Google's branded channel, which um, I chose because you'll see this particular video is a lecture that lasts for a little over an hour. So with our strategic partnerships, the long-form video uh, is possible. So um, okay. I'll ask you later about that. That's funny. Okay, so this is a watch page. This is where the, the, the playback happens, of course. Additional branding opportunities. This is obviously the NBA. You see where it says, I love this game. It's a, uh, basically, this is kind of the, the parent-child relationship, kind of a branded channel to the, uh, to the watch page. Um, obviously, the comments and responses. This is really um, that the, really the two-way um, engagement that uh, makes YouTube um, so exciting. And also, you'll see the more from this user as, a, as an area where essentially the MBA is treated as a user. So this is where uh, other videos um, from this particular provider appear. Uh, playlist is where you can specifically sequence um, your videos, either from, that are from the producer or provider, or also a mixed, a mixed variety of, uh, of uh, content. So a little bit more about uh, the community. What's interesting uh, about YouTube is just how nonlinear it is. Typically, uh, the entry point to YouTube isn't necessarily the YouTube.com homepage, as it is that uh, somebody is um, they're sent a link through an email, they go to the site, they watch a video, then uh, they start to stick around and uh, see other videos that are being promoted and uh, or related and so on. So the discovery is, uh, is quite organic. Um, this is an example. This is actually Warner Music Group. Um, I show it because it's, um, I think, the best representation of how to deal with uh, multiple sub-channels. So uh, music label, many artists. So an analog here to university that might have many different uh, faculty members, departments, uh, and so on. Uh, and again, uh, that leaderboard at the top is uh, an image map. So you can, they, they keep it so you link directly to that artist's uh, particular page. Um, so there's a fairly new category called how to do it yourself and uh, this is where you learn to cook or I don't know what do we have here um, how to gain YouTube subscribers uh, you name it and it's a uh, new and really really growing rapidly and I chose here because it's really the closest thing we have today to an educational channel um, I want to pick one out in particular, one I found here on the featured how-to called uh, Math Crazy Tutoring, where this fellow uh, basically puts some basic uh, math and English topics online. Hey guys, welcome to Math in 60 Seconds. Today we're going to be finishing up our final part of understanding functions. And some of the ratings are interesting. Uh, can you do more complicated functions? Uh, the one involving divisions, thank you. And so on, yeah, please more. So. Um, People are giving this fellow feedback. So um, with the partnerships also comes the ability to have promotion. Uh, again, typically somebody comes to uh, the site, they watch a video, and then their um, eyeballs are looking around at what's the next video they're going to watch. And they um, often fall on these uh, director um, slots here. So again, our strategic partners uh, get promoted over here, but it's really a mix of our strategic partners as well as our original, um, originally created content. So um, I think it was last week Google announced that what's known as universal search, where you, on a search term, 
is a combination of uh, obviously the text, websites, as well as um, results from BookSurf, Scholar, um, video, and so on. And so these are some examples. Uh, on the left is Google.com, on the right is Google Video. This is uh, Eric Schmidt recently speaking at Stanford, the Web 2.0 conference. And uh, what's interesting about this is that the YouTube player is right there in, um, in the Google search results page. And um, Google Video on the right is um, similarly, similarly does that. Obviously, it's, it's honed in specifically on uh, video data applies in, in um, uh, Google. So um, I think I'm coming to the end. This is an interesting quote. This is uh, Larry Page, co-founder of Google, speaking um, to uh, a group of scientists about how to better market themselves. He says, this is uh, from um, CNET News. Uh, Page said he hopes internet video like YouTube and Google Video will evolve to include scientific lectures. He said he would like to see a box in the back, back of every classroom where professors could push a button and whatever you said would go on the net. It's important to get all that out there. So obviously here is a great opportunity to, um, to promote your institution, your archive, uh, to um, lend to the discoverability. And um, what, what I also think is that since this is relatively new, in YouTube, there's a real chance to help invent the space. And, um, and um, yeah, I guess that's it. So I'll leave it at that. Thank you. For that invitation. Thank you. Um, anyway, thank you. I'm Stacy Seltzer. Uh, I'm the Senior Vice President for Content Acquisition and Strategy at Jute, um, and a graduate of the Columbia Business School. Uh, so I'm excited to be here this afternoon. Thank you. Um, Juiced is a new company from a couple of guys who have, who have kind of revolutionized the world in, in a couple different arenas, um, Jonas Fries and Nicholas Zenstra. And they were they first created a company called Kazal, and of course learned a few lessons out of that one. And then of course they went and created a company called Skype. But what these guys were basically really good at doing is they, they, they were really good at creating this technology that we traditionally have called um, but what that's really about doing is moving bits and bytes around the internet in an extremely efficient manner. Um, and so in the first iteration of that, they used it to allow people to share files. And that was Kazal. The second iteration of this peer to peer technology in the background is Howard Skype. Now has a 181 million users. And you know, at any given time, 89 million phone calls can be received on that network. So with Juice, what they've done is they've taken that same technology third generation and optimized it to deliver video over And as you see, as we're in, I've got the client running here. Um, and I'll just let it run so that you can see what it does. Um, so while I talk, uh, you get full screen sight, sound, and motion. This is a downloadable software client, uh, like Skype or, or Kazaa. Um, but it's a closed network. So we only work with professional content marketers. And as as Jonathan Nicholas were thinking about the company, um, and and uh, they they were considering, uh, there were a lot of companies out there that, that when they thought about the the television experience or the video experience, they seemed to be internet companies first. And they started out as an internet company, and then brought the video experience to it. And we wanted to turn that idea on its head and start with the television experience, the kind of full screen sight, sound, and motion experience and then bring all the cool stuff about the internet to it. And so as you see, it goes full screen you know, video initially.
But after that, what we do is we take all, uh, and it's really neat to see some of the presentations that have been going on this afternoon because you, you, you really begin to think about all the interactivity and all the great things that the internet can bring to uh, a, a video experience and harness them in, in this kind of way. So when a user interacts with the system, they get the overlays. Um, this is just the kind of menu, uh, but basically at the top, and here we get a commercial. Um, but at the top is, is kind of the content owner's area. On, on the right is the community area, at the bottom the control bar, and at left the, the, the channel programming guide. Um, I'm going to, I've clicked here on this top area, but actually I'm going to switch panels for a second. So, and again, this is just running live. It's a streaming experience over the internet. I was connected to the Wi-Fi here earlier and checking out to see if it would run. At the top here is the content owner's area. And, you know, in this case, it could be a, a public broadcaster. It could be in, uh, a, the, the uh, channel. Yeah, the university channel. Or, or an educator's channel. Um, and this is where we can begin to take advantage of all the interactivity that um, we've all been talking about and is beginning to be developed um, in a really exciting way. I mean, seeing some of those demonstrations about uh, what, you know, mapping the galaxies and things like that and beginning to think about it, directly linking that to a big screen video experience like this is really exciting, and, and we're certainly working on that. Um, we're also very much about the community. And I'm kind of breezing through this because I'm conscious of time. But we've developed a platform by which people can create widgets to begin to have new interactions with content and new ideas about how um, new experiences in, in sharing content and sharing community experiences. And so again, the application of this to an educational environment is kind of, uh, you know, it's natural and, and very exciting. The ideas of classmates here sharing notes or having a channel chat while they're going, uh, you know, talking about a particular lecture. Um, the ability to build all that metadata and, and tag programs and share experiences over the content and allow students and the community to do this itself is very exciting to us. Um, we've built out a bunch of kind of things on a lot of this. We're still in beta, so it's proof of concept, but you know, we have things like ratings and the ability to begin to put in, uh, describe what the programs are, are doing. At the bottom is our control bar. It's pretty straightforward, but again, it uses all that rich metadata um, that, that we can do on the, on the uh, that we can harness in the internet to organize and provide more information about the content that's uh, available. And so you can see this, and then it also allows you to navigate through the system. Um, you know, we're a channel-driven system. It's like television, and we wanted to provide the kind of lean-back uh, experience of just sitting back and being entertained. And so you can do that. You can choose MTV and go in there and just watch whatever program comes up and sit there until and watch Laguna Beach till your heart's, you know, content. Um, or you can go in and specifically go and choose the particular items um, uh, that you wanted to see. So it gives you that TiVo or kind of full VOD experience in that same way. It's also a scalable and sizable application. This might mess up based on the uh, scaling, but you can always take it down. Not that anyone would probably do this in class or at work, but <laughs> we, they could proceed to go and, and use other aspects of, uh, you know, on their computer. Um, 
Lastly, in terms of the system, we have a channel guide, which is just another way. We're very conscious about content discovery. There's so much kind of clutter out there, and so we're very focused on allowing people a combination of editorial and algorithmic and uh, neutral ways of navigating content, of sharing content, and beginning to experience new things. So I wanted to quickly just show you guys the system. It's most fun when you can just watch it like that. I'll go back to the National Geographic thing just because it shows the, the incredible quality which can be delivered um, just using this experience. Um, you know, we're, we're a very early company. Juiced is still in beta. We're in what we call our friends and family beta. And I would be happy, by the way, anyone who wants to leave a business card or an email, I'm happy I'll throw everybody on uh, the beta for you guys to check it out. Um, and right now, we're mostly working with commercial companies. Um, we have some NGOs and uh, that we've also been working with, like Witness and some other programs. Um, but mostly we've been working with commercial clients. Uh, I myself am very excited about the possibilities of bringing this into the educational realm. Um, and I think, you know, again, just seeing some of the things that have been demonstrated here uh, show the huge potential for this medium. Um, so we're, you know, we're very open to those kind of discussions uh, and, and we'll be proceeding that way. So we'll be out of beta uh, over the next few months. So with that, I think I'll just quickly... Let you guys proceed. Hi, my name is Donna Liu. I'm the executive director of the University Channel at Princeton University. Thank you very much for having me here today. Um, Rick Prellinger might have described himself as a recovering archivist. I have to describe myself as a recovering television news journalist. Um, with CNN for many, many years. And as a news producer, I had the privilege of talking to many, many people who have given a lot of thought and research to solving the problems of the world. And I would have very long discussions with them, and it would all be on tape. And then very tragically, I would come back into the newsroom and throw away about 95% of what they said. Um, so I was... Um, fortunate enough to be offered a teaching fellowship at Princeton. And it came at a time when the uh, new media was changing all of the concepts that we old media people had about delivering news and information to the public. Um, I came to Princeton. Uh, there are lots of fantastic lectures at Princeton. I figured, I found out a lot of them were being taped. Um, and that Princeton wasn't, uh, was, was streaming some of them on the web, but that's um, about as far as it went. And I thought uh, we are reaching an age where if you simply lowered the barriers of production, you could admit all this great new content, um, and then if you lowered the barriers of distribution, you could deliver it back out to a much uh, broader public than was ever possible before. Um, so the University Channel is a uh, consortium of public policy schools. Many of them have these uh, public affairs lectures. Many of them tape them for archival purposes. And as I started calling around to other universities, I discovered that many of them did not have uh, channels of distribution. Now, this is changing very quickly with the advent of podcasts and all of that. Many universities are doing it on their own. But 
it seemed worthwhile still to pursue a curated collection of lectures on public and international affairs, full, unedited lectures with the live audience. Uh, questions from peers, uh, you know, pre-selected by the universities themselves so that all of the uh, issues of who is doing the gatekeeping, uh, which is what a lot of institutions of journalism use as justification for their editorial policies, is taken up now by universities. Um, the concept is very simple. It's essentially a blog. Um, the most recent lectures are on the top. Uh, they are given to us to host either depending on whether it was just taped as audio or whether it was taped as audio or, or video, but I'll take a multi-formatted example just to show you. <clears throat> we asked the universities to contribute in the highest resolution possible because I think unlike a lot of video online projects, we also distribute through the internet to television stations uh, for full-blown rebroadcast. And um, this was definitely not possible back in my days at CNN because I, you know, I still remember in 1989 when the man walked in front of the tank, if, if any of you remember that image, uh, we had that image on videotape. Uh, the only way to feed the videotape out of China in those days, you had to go through the central Chinese TV, CCTV. And of course, they weren't going to let us feed the image. So we, <clears throat> we fed, we, we had the, the video, but you could not transmit video over a regular phone line in those days except pixel by pixel. So we took one image and we fed it pixel by pixel over a phone line, and it was received at CNN Atlanta. It took uh, two minutes for the entire image, single still image to feed, and our anchors found the story so compelling that they were actually talking about it as the image was unfolding on the screen live. Well, now we are feeding to these access stations, many of whom are, you know, these are mun municipal community educational access stations, don't have tremendous resources, some of them still have only dial-up connections, and yet they can FTP an hour and a half program um, and then convert it to whatever their playback format is and put it out to a local television audience. And we do not ignore the television audience, even though we do have a large online <clears throat> audience, but I still feel that the television audience is uh, significant, particularly when you're aiming for overseas distribution. Um, so, so we are committed to maintaining our programming in as high uh, original resolution as possible. Our archives are in high resolution MPEG-2, and this is useful for not only television stations, but the uh, new IPTV, uh, you know, television over the internet protocol. Um, a lot of universities are using this in recognition of the fact that more students bring laptops to universities than bring TVs. They are uh, deploying regular broadcast channels over their IP network so that students can watch TV on their laptops, and the university channel is there. And in uh, collaboration with Campus EAI, uh, 
reaching a potential 40 million within the EDU domain, not only in the United States, but, but overseas. So uh, our distribution is simple. We take one, you know, give us your digital file and we will transcode. The, the podcast audience, uh, our, our typical lecture is downloaded perhaps 3,000 times. Uh, I feel like, you know, compared to uh, Skype and Google here, I feel like the David following Goliath. But um, I think the, uh, I think we, I'm very heartened by, by evidence of who those people are. We have, you know, about 15% from overseas, 10% from the EDU domain, and those are the statistics. But I know that a lot of um, people link uh, to our site from WebCT and, and Blackboard. So it's being used as educational materials. We've had K through 12 closed circuit people asking us for the uh, high resolution MPEG-2 programming. Um, my, my dean, Dean Slaughter, uh, went to Libya recently and uh, someone came up to her and said, oh, thank you for the university channel. So things like that really you know, warm my heart. Um, because we're, we are trying to reach as broad an audience as possible. And these are uh, public lectures to begin with, so uh, the uh, IP issues are greatly simplified for us because a lot of these people are, want to be heard. Um, and uh, if they don't sign a release, then they simply don't show up. So, so we're, not, we're not trying to persuade professors to, to uh, you know, let us film an entire uh, an entire course. Um, when Apple uh, unveiled the video iPod, we deployed the um, MPEG-4 format. And with all of the new formats that come up, I mean, I'm reminded. I, you know, I'm old enough to remember the television feed rooms in remote capitals around the world, where you had a whole bank of. Um, you know, outlets to suit all the different formats and all the, the, the different machinery um, that, that foreign news crews might bring in. And I, I feel actually we're, we're somewhat in the, same, in the same field now, only we're, deal, we're dealing with codecs and, 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 you know, lines of code. And um, uh, the goal is the same. The goal is to get the, the content out to, uh, to the public. Now, uh, a lot of these universities uh, who have joined us, um, there's no, uh, it's, it's completely uh, non-exclusive distribution. Uh, we're distributing under Creative Commons um, with attribution, non-derivative uh, licenses, the one we chose. And um, a lot of the schools uh, have all this material on their own websites, and that is uh, fine, that is good. Um, but I think we uh, provide the additional value of having a single go-to spot for the discussion of public and international affairs. And so, for example, uh, Stephen Bosworth, uh, who is the dean of Fletcher, might be speaking at LBJ uh, in Texas. And uh, everyone benefits from the fact that uh, all these schools are providing their material to a common place so that the uh, much broader discussions, say, of events in uh, Iraq, uh, you know, climate change, et cetera, uh, are accessible from a single search. Um, 
And that is pretty much it. Hi, I'm Ben Hubbard. I'm the manager of video services and special events at UC Berkeley. I'm also the co-manager of the webcast program with my colleague uh, over there, Adam Hopeman. Um, I work for Educational Technology Services uh, and wanted to start by telling you a little bit about our organization. We're comprised of several different subunits. Uh, the Learning Systems Group, which works on uh, the B-Space and the Sakai uh, initiative there, and um, they're, we're a developing partner in the Sakai initiative. Um, and they also do a lot of uh, teaching and learning activities with faculty training uh, program, that sort of thing. Uh, I'm part of the what we kind of term as learning spaces group. Uh, I'm, I work in the classroom technology and special events group there at uh, UC Berkeley. Um, and uh, we also have a design and engineering group which manages uh, the classroom installations of all of our technology projectors and uh, DVD players and VHS decks. Um, so I wanted to start by saying that organizationally, uh, it's it's really we're really set up well to tackle a lot of the uh, video delivery issues um, that that stem from a desire to provide a window into the educational resources uh, of our institution. Um, and uh, you know we just have an amazing uh, collection of technical expertise and experience um, under our belt. Uh, we've got a lot of developers and programmers and great project management and AV experience that uh, we've been able to have under this sort of single umbrella, single vision and leadership uh, towards providing that window. So it's really been helpful to have those, those ties underneath our own organization and not have to make those connections uh, across different units within uh, the university because that's always a little bit more difficult um, road to hoe. Uh, so I wanted to also mention that the uh, classroom technology uh, is centrally managed on our campus, which is another important factor. Um, we manage the actual installations and the standards for the installations, and um, the scheduling is also centrally managed for all of our general assignment classrooms, which is also uh, an important factor in our program. We have about 12 years of course casting. I'm going to talk specifically about webcast.berkeley. We have about 12 years of uh, experience under our belt in the course casting arena. We started as a research organization, uh, the Berkeley uh, Multimedia Research Center, uh, by Professor Larry Rowe, and um, you know we grew uh, we grew to become a, a campus service with a with a worldwide audience, and it's been amazingly uh, successful. Uh, our approach is focused on automated capture and delivery systems. Um, you know we believe in the efficiencies that we can. Uh, obtained by automating processes and, and reducing overhead. We also think a lot about trying to reduce the barriers of entry for faculty who are participating. I know there are some programs out there that are really great, uh, ProfCast and, and other programs that are using um, manual recording devices. Um, we kind of had a feeling that we didn't want the professors or the faculty or the lecturers to have to do anything other than just come in and turn on the mic like they normally would or use the installed system and uh, the lecture recording would automatically start. Um, so we've had about 12, 12 years. We've, we do about 44 courses a semester, so it's about 88 courses a year. And uh, some of those are podcast, some of those are podcast and webcast, some of those are webcast only. And we kind of look at webcasting as video and podcasting as audio right now um, because of podcasting. I 
traditionally think of as a download downloadable format and uh, currently we're only offering video, uh, audio downloads. Uh, we're constantly looking to uh, looking for ways to improve our services and uh, the processes and find new new ways to automate our systems and so forth and um, one of the major things we really wanted to do is, is uh, implement an open standards format for delivery. We're currently serving out real which uh, is proprietary and uh, it really has allowed us to get get where we've gotten um, but because we're so systems oriented, uh, trying to switch gears is a little bit try like trying to stop a freight train. Um, so you know, it takes a little bit of research and a lot of time and some development to think about how to how to switch gears and start serving up different formats under our current implementation. Though we're keeping that in mind, so we did a lot of uh, research on some projects uh, or products, commercial products that are out there, thinking about. Uh, how to, how to uh, move into the next phase of our, our webcast program. And it's important to note that um, as a research project or, or because of our research uh, underpinnings, we actually were very homegrown, all of our systems, and we did all of our own development on, on the automated systems to deliver this content. So while we were looking at some of these products, um, you know, we realized that, that they, they all met some of our needs, and uh, none of them met all of our needs. Um, they generally lacked a, a flexibility that we we needed, um, especially because they were they were proprietary. So we were locked down with proprietary hardware. Um, there were uh, there were customization issues in terms of integration into our our campus wide systems like LDAP and the registrar. Um, so authentica campus authentication and and the registrar runs all of our central classroom scheduling. Uh, so we basically, oh, they also had um, substantial cost structures, which um, we just, uh, we felt as a, as a group that had been developing our own systems to do this automatically, we weren't sure that we wanted to make that investment and have recurring annual licensing fees that we would have to pay um, when there might be some potential that we would be able to do this ourselves. So we really were faced with a choice between customizing our business practices or uh, kind of rolling our own, so to speak. Um, and uh, all the while, we were busily launching partnerships uh, out in the world. So we launched uh, Apple, uh, so Berkeley on iTunes U, Apple's iTunes U. Um, we launched that in April of 2006. And uh, as of now, I believe we have somewhere in the neighborhood of 2,600 course lectures, maybe a little more over three semesters. So it's pretty substantial uh, podcast download. We have a lot of uh, events content there as well for people to download. We even have some campus life stuff. So uh, if you want to watch the play, you can watch. Uh, you can watch. The, it's really famous on campus. The play where uh, we score a last-second touchdown to beat Stanford in in the eighties. We're we're hanging on to it. We're hanging on to it. Um, so these these partnerships. <laughs> Did someone say watch your back? <laughs> I thought I heard that. Um, so these pa these partnerships have been really really successful. We've been um, we've gotten a lot of uh, valuable uh, visibility from the partnerships, from uh, the news and, and other institutions. And we get calls all the time asking us, you know, how do you how do you do what you do? And it's it's just been great because we we really feel connected to the educational community, and in part because of our, our open content stance. Um, and I guess this is when the planets sort of began to align for us. Um, because of the iTunes U partnership, uh, we had some access to uh, inside folks at uh, Apple. 
And we noticed that they had, they had put up this slick on their website about this, this product called Podcast Producer. And so we, we started inquiring and, and asking them, well, what, is, what is Podcast Producer and what does it do? And you know, we, we knew that, uh, that some of those uh, commercial products probably weren't going to work for us. We were kind of wrapping up our um, investigations, uh, I guess you could call it. And uh, so we found out that uh, Podcast Producer is basically an enterprise scripting framework for capture and delivery that marries uh, OS X Leopard server systems and Leopard client systems with XGrid and, and uh, QuickTime technologies. And uh, when we talked to them a little bit, we immediately recognized that there was an opportunity to leverage the uh, technology to develop a next-generation webcast systems application. So... Uh, we basically uh, decided that we were going to try and do this within the Sakai framework. Um, and what that means is that uh, Podcast Producer is a core component of, of that, and it uh, basically runs on Apple hardware. And the, there is no additional fee for the actual server. It's a core component of, of their, or not for the server, but for the um, Podcast Producer. It's a core component of their operating system. Um, so we're piloting it as, it as a, a core component, and um, we feel like this, this hybrid approach um, basically allows us to focus on our specific needs. But at the same time, because it's within the Sakai, the Sakai framework, we're um, keeping our eyes on uh, an ultimate goal of trying to build a community around the technology and um, provide, provide that open source framework that actually could bootstrap other universities' programs for uh, capturing Content and um, you know while we're very systems oriented and we're very uh, automated oriented, I know there are other universities out there that are much more manual. And uh, there's always the possibility that you might be able to take this technology and uh, adapt it for your own purposes. Uh, so that's uh, an interesting development. I want to talk a little bit about uh, just to go back to the infrastructure. Uh, in the classrooms and, and the centrally managed, the centrally managed um, equipment in the classrooms and the centrally scheduled equipment in the classrooms. Some of the power of being part of Sakai, uh, having it as part of Sakai, is we have a local instantiation of Sakai called BSpace, and they've already meted out all the details of uh, integrating with the LDAP and with the registrar and some of those other really important uh, functions of an automated system that are going to allow us to basically harvest some of that data so um, about when the class is and, and who the professor is and what the title is and some of those important metadata uh, tags that you're going to want to inject into your content. So there's a lot of automated stuff um, that's going to be happening behind the scenes there. And um, so right now we're at about 50% uh, installed classrooms and uh, with projectors and VHS and DVDs and so forth. And um, we have a really high-level commitment from our uh, central administration to uh, bring that to 100% of our GA classrooms and, and really uh, have everything capable. And uh, our plan is to um, have over uh, basically any classroom over 50 seats uh, with installed uh, technology for uh, screencast uh, or podcast. Then we have a limited number, a select group of um, webcast-enabled or video-enabled classrooms. Um, and it's just interesting to, to, to note that with the media as sort of the new communication tool uh, for lecture content and, and the, the 
you know, if people have been talking about Lawrence Lessig's quote about text being a dead medium, although I would argue that it's more dynamic now and not so much dead, um, that uh, it's really important to have sort of a more ubiquitous uh, capture environment where you can really pull more more content and make more content available. If that truly is the medium that, that students and others are, are capable of communicating in, that's the direction we want to we want to go in. It's also a great tool for teaching and learning that that content. And I believe uh, my colleague Judy Sturt is going to talk a little bit about that tomorrow. So um, I believe that's it. So thank you very much.